How do you make today well lived during pandemic time? Ah, how do I make today well lived? Uh, <laughs> try not to go crazy. Um, I'm somebody that I I like to be active. I like to be mobile. There are days where, you know, I'm, I'm out the house at six o'clock in the morning. And I'm, I'm back at 10 p.m. and it's literally just me ripping and running throughout the city trying to get my own ideas off the ground or trying to help a friend's ideas to get off the ground. But what COVID has taught me and this pandemic has taught me is that to Make Today Well Live, the podcast. We're so excited to kick off our new show. I'm Allie Norman-Franks, the founder of the Norman Ape Wellness Center, and here together with our awesome peer counseling students, we're going to explore how to make each today well lived while bringing to light the most relevant topics in today's teen and high school life. Every third Wellness Wednesday, we'll be featuring different themes and guest speakers together with KBEB and our sponsor, Michael J. LeBeau. So let's get started. We're so lucky to have Beverly Hills High School alum, NF Super Bowl champion, and filmmaker Spencer Pacinger to share his journey well-lived from Norman to producer of the new hit television series, All-American, inspired by his experience here at Beverly Hills High School. Our peer counselors joining us today are Eric Idistorze, and Simone Medizadeh. So at Beverly Hills High School, we have been inspired by our school motto since 1927. The words have never been more meaningful than they are today. I would like to start sharing our motto with our listeners. Each today well lived makes every yesterday a dream of happiness and every tomorrow a vision of hope. Hi, I'm Eric Istorza. I'm a senior at Beverly, and um, today we're going to be talking about becoming a Norman. Um, so welcome, Mr. Perry Singer. Thank you for being here. Hope you're well. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, is it cool if I just jump into it? Yeah, by all okay. um, So first of So first off, I just want to ask, um, how was your transition into Beverly? Uh, and were you able to maintain your identity when being here, or did it morph or change along the way? Uh... It's it's actually a really good question because I think as a 13, 14 year old kid, your identity is in the process of being shaped. Mm -hmm. Um, So the fact that I was sort of thrown into the deep end with the, you know, going to Beverly Hills was a different culture shock for me. Uh, I grew up in South Central Los Angeles where I went to school in the Inglewood School District. So I was mainly around, you know, black and Latino students. Um, Mm -hmm. But then once I transitioned over to Beverly, uh, as you guys know, there's so many different cultures within the school. So I think in, in terms of being that 13, 14 year old kid and, and understanding that there were so many more cultures and ethnicities that I, I obviously was aware of, but hadn't really interacted with, uh, I think it absolutely changed my perspective and my just view on the world and, and who I was as a person at the time. Completely. Um, and I, I mean, it'd be hard not to, you know, but uh, uh, being here, um, being, like you said, kind of thrown into the deep end with it in a whole different place, what advice would you give to any new student coming here? Oh, some advice I would give to any new student is, you know, don't shelter yourself uh, away from other people or experiences. I think that's one thing that helped me 
somewhat assimilate uh, really well into the school was, you know, I didn't look at somebody that didn't look like me as an enemy or or as just different or other. I, I looked at them as different, but something but from the idea of I want to learn about you more. Um, for, and that came from from different types of sports that I was introduced to, to to again, going back to the cultures, to just things that other people were interested in that wasn't really prevalent from where you know I came from. Yeah. So I think any advice I would give, you know, the main thing would be just like lean into the unknown of of the, the different cultures, the people and just being in a new area. That That's really cool. Um, I always try to do that myself. And I think it's what, like a fundamental thing in like being alive, really. It's just you just kind of have to go with it and like just open yourself up to a whole lot. Um, but uh, from what you said, it sounds like there was still a lot of pressure on you. And I mean, there is for anyone like you said, like 13 to 14, just like getting into high school from middle school and all that. Um, but what, what would you say the pressures, what pressures exactly were on you and how did you manage them when things like Normanade weren't there? Yeah. Yeah. I had, I had a handful of pressures that a lot of people don't know this while watching from watching all American, but I had an mm-hmm. older brother that was at Beverly. Um, when I was a freshman, he was a senior and you know i was a ball boy at beverly a water boy at beverly since i was like four years old and that's something that we don't really talk about in the show but you know i knew since i was a baby that i was going to go to beverly Hills high school um wow. you know being there on friday nights you know helping the football team and you know filling up the water cups and everything um but once i got to the school you know that hobby of going to this going to the games on friday night became just my world and now i'm there monday morning not friday night so seeing my older brother being the big guy on campus, you know, the, the varsity football captain and, you know, Mr. Football getting scholarships and whatnot, uh, coming in as a scrawny, like five, six hundred and like 60 pound freshman. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- one of the biggest pressures I remember was trying to live up to him, um, trying to live up to my uncle Carter Pacinger and, and Vonzi Pacinger and even my dad, Donald Pacinger, that went there. Um, I knew at that age, like we had somewhat of a legacy at Beverly already. And I just didn't want to be somebody in the family that broke that chain. Um, mm-hmm. And then outside of that, you know, 2002, when I got there, it seems like so long ago now that I say it, uh, it's just, it was just a different time. Um, you know, social media wasn't what it was today. Like social media actually wasn't a thing really. Um, and I knew my friends that I grew up with in Inglewood and South Central, like some of those, I would, I would never see them again because we just didn't know where the world was going. But, you know, that those eighth grade graduations, I'm saying goodbye to friends that I knew without a doubt I'd probably never see again. Obviously, yeah. the times have changed and, and, you know, people are able to grow up together and, and grow old together. But back then, it was diving into a whole new world and, and being the only person from my, from my middle school to go to Beverly was just as hard because a lot of my friends at that time were going to the Inglewoods. They were going to Culver City and, and Hawthorne and those high schools. But being the only person that I knew going into a whole new arena was was interesting, to say the least. Of course, yeah. Um, I mean, and that's a lot, too, especially for someone so young, for you to bear all that. And, uh, it, like, and you took it in strides, like looking at your past, at least from my perspective. But um, I just want to see... How, how you view it? Do you feel like you've achieved uh, your dream of happiness? And I just want to know your perception of your past and 
the choices he's made. Yeah, I mean, in hindsight, I think going to Beverly was the first best decision I ever made in my life or my parents ever made for me. <laughs> um, you know, I was supposed to, technically I was supposed to go to Crenshaw High School and I was equally enrolled in Inglewood High School uh, all at the same time. And, you know, my mom told both those school districts that he is not going to either one of your schools, he's going to Beverly for a good reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and looking back at it, to be able to be thrown into a situation like that to where I'm, I'm sort of in that melting pot um, it allowed me to sort of be comfortable in any room that I walk into. Um, I'm, I'm not I'm not shying away from having difficult conversations with people that, again, don't look like me or, or don't come from the same background as me. Because since I was 13 years old, I've been immersed in this in the world, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and and taking in those different experiences. So it was it was a great experience um and in terms of my happiness I, I i never view happiness as a destination um it's it's always just an ongoing road uh, there are pit stops there are nice scenic routes but at the end of the day it's happiness is a journey it's not a destination cool um i think that's a really good way to look at all of that um but uh yeah man that's really that's really cool i like how we see things and i i think what you said about the melting pot thing, I think that's another really important uh, just factor to have with like one's character. Um, Cause another thing like, that helps you open up and it helps you like just accept everyone. I think that's more of what people need to do now. Um, so yeah. Samara, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hi, um, I'm Samara Dizida, senior at Beverly Hills High School. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show and talking with us. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. This is, you guys are, we're all alumni. Well, you're about to be alumni. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, So to start off, is there anything you would change or do differently if you could be a high school student now at Beverly? Um, I've, I've openly said this, that I I wish uh, I did dive into some of the things that you guys have been doing, especially with, uh, with KBEV. I always remember that studio in the school being this sort of like unknown production area that I've actually like never really stepped into. But again, going back to 2002 to 2006, you know, when you were a student athlete, you either played sports or you did something else. Like rarely did those lines ever cross. Nowadays, you know, you're seeing athletes go across the lines to, you know, doing a handful of of dope things starting as early as high school, even middle school. But for me, it was it was an either or era, um, not an and era, if you know what I mean. So uh, I absolutely would love to have you know dove into production at a younger age because who knows where I would have been um, 20 years later. No, yeah, that's really understandable. We're so blessed to have Normanade and KBEB and all those other great activities at Beverly. It's really a blessing. Absolutely. Uh, Next, uh, would you, what do you recommend that other students do to advocate for Black Lives Matter and to make fundamental changes in our society? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's, 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 no, it's no secret what we've all been through, what we've all experienced uh, these past few months. Um, it came at a time when I was, you know, reading a handful of books on social justice just as, just as a hobby. Uh, and then obviously the things with uh, George Floyd happened and whatnot, it right. just kind of all came to a tipping point for me. But it was, for me, the, the thing that people can do the most is just have conversations with, with your friends and your family. You know, oftentimes when um, last, you know, last month, two months ago, what have you, 
I would get hit up by a lot of my friends that meant well, uh, you know, that weren't black, but, you know, wanted to understand how they could help, how they could, you know, empathize with with me and black people in general. And although I appreciated the reach out and, and the concern and, and the want to do better, uh, a, a lot of what I thought or I still think that they can do is have conversations with their family and their friends that maybe don't see the world, you know, the same way that they do. You know, I've had friends from all different walks of life all over the country. I've had, I've had the privilege of playing with, you know, one of my closest friends in the league still to this day is a guy that grew up in, you know, the other side of the Appalachian Mountains where he probably went years without seeing like a black person, uh, right. just to be honest. And, and, you know, he would hit me up and we'd, we'd have these such, you know, great conversations, but I want him to have those conversations with his friends, with his family in his area to start creating that change because otherwise they're just tapping into or, or understanding who we are as a people from what they see on TV. And it's already been proven that, you know, the media doesn't portray us in the most positive light at times. So just have conversations, just have, just, just talk to your friends, talk to your family and get to the root of why we feel the way we feel about this country, about this country's history and why we want our just do. Yeah, that makes sense. Definitely having conversations with family, friends, it's really important just to get different perspectives and views. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. Um, how do you make today well lived during pandemic time? Ah, how do I make today well lived? Uh, <laughs> try not to go crazy. Um, I'm somebody that I... I like to be active. I like to be mobile. There are days where, you know, I'm, I'm out the house at six o'clock in the morning. I'm, I'm back at 10 p.m. And it's literally just me ripping and running throughout the city, trying to get my own ideas off the ground or trying to help a friend's ideas get off the ground. But what COVID has taught me and this pandemic has taught me is that, you know, you can slow down a little bit and still be efficient. Uh, I feel like a lot of the world is realizing that we kind of fell into this cycle of we have to be busy in order to think that we're getting things done. Um, when really, I think a lot of people are still getting their work done and have probably shaved like 20 work hours off of their week because they know at the end of the day, if the work needs to be done, they're going to find the most efficient way to get it done. We don't have to be locked into a 12 to 14 hour day to be able to do that. Um, so it's just that. It's just learning how to shed fat from my life. Um, and that's everything from cleaning out the garage to, mm -hmm. you know, cleaning out my own closet to just getting things off of my board um, that have just been stagnant up there. So I think hopefully I'm better coming out of COVID than what I was going mm -hmm. in. Um, but, yeah, I'm just at the phase where I'm just trying to like get rid of anything that isn't doing me justice right now. No, yeah, very interesting. I think keeping yourself busy is the most important thing now. Uh, what do you do to take care of yourself, your mental and physical well-being? Uh, I work out. I, I try to work out um, at least three to four times a week. I'm leaning towards four this time. I mean, these past couple of weeks, because I actually realized um, I realized not too long ago that if I go more than two days without just working up a sweat in any capacity, um, I like fall into a weird mental state. Uh, it's not that I'm depressed or, or anything, but I just, I just know my energy is just lower. Um, and it, when my energy is lower in that sense, it's just harder to get to motivate me to do things. Um, so I make it a point that even if I don't want to, you know, a 30 minute bike ride, uh, stationary bike ride or 
do some burpees or do a light workout mm -hmm. for this like workout plan that I'm following. But I know if I just sit on the couch and play with my kids, although that's great and there's a time and place in the day for that. I have to start my day with some form of physical activity. Um, I'm just better to my to myself and to my family, if I'm able. No, to yeah, hundred percent. I think it's important to work out and go on walks, go on runs, even if it's for 10, 15 minutes. I think it really boosts your day and makes have you like makes you have more motivation and just like helps you push through the day. I think it's really important. Absolutely. Uh, last but not least, what do you learn at Beverly that helped your future, um, a vision of hope and helped you to be where you're at today? Um, I think what I learned at Beverly was how to structure my work. Um, I think that was something, you know, early on that Beverly taught me was we had a very, in hindsight, it wasn't, it wasn't that it was rigorous, our, our workload, but every class had its own demanding uh, syllabi, syllabus, syllabi, what, I don't know, I'm not at school anymore, sorry. <laughs> um, but it was just understanding how to structure it, how to get it done in the most efficient way, um, and also how to collaborate. Uh, I think taking that, uh, especially with my brother's advice of how he saw college, uh, I've never pulled an all-nighter in my life. I've never stayed up till five, six o'clock in the morning studying because, you know, my older brother taught me, and this is how he learned it at Beverly. He's like, if you just pay attention in class, if you ask a few questions, if you turn in all your homework, um, you will just know the material a little bit more than you think you do. And when you're studying for those finals, if you're working to get to yourself into a position to where going to that final, you have the the 78 or the 88 in a class, the final can't technically hurt you if you do right. terrible on it, but because that's because you've been active in that class for those as somebody that was in quarter system in college for that, you know, eight to 10 weeks, instead of just trying to learn the class and two nights of studying. Um, so I, I definitely learned that from Beverly of, of just the, the rich academic environment that they put us in that once I got to college and then obviously into the NFL and beyond, um, I was able to keep some of the same lessons. Uh, and it's, to me, it's been proven to, to work. That concludes our first ever podcast. Please join us again next month for our discussion about seeking support. And don't forget to check out our website, normanaid.org. It's the fastest and easiest way to access all of our services and resources, including our podcast recordings, counseling services, and wellness programs. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at normanaid for daily tips on all things wellness. This program was brought to you in part by a generous donation from the Bossy family. KBEV thanks you for your support.